Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. So I've been doing this experimental program. I have now four people that I've more or less randomly picked, and my goal is to make them worth a million dollars or at least see it possible within six to 12 months. And I'm using just the techniques in my book called Skip the Line, which just came out. So this session I'm releasing with James Quandall, and we talk specifically about how he can use his Amazon skills to make more money than he's currently making with them. James, how are things going? Things are going well. The the James Altucher Show audience has been, at least from my vantage point, loving these these podcast episodes and loving this mentorship because I've gotten contact on every platform I'm on from someone saying that they like the show or they're learning a lot and that they wish us luck and that we keep going. And um, people are recommending people I should interview or people that they can introduce me to. And uh, it's it's overwhelming, but it's really cool. And um, yeah, no, it's a good community because I think people people read these books not because they want to read my books, but it's because they want to change their lives. They realize, I think, that the system they grew up in that told them you can do this, but you can't do this. You can't get a job unless you have a college degree. You can't just write a book without an editor or an agent or whatever, because you need, you know, you need the New York literary scene. And meanwhile, you have E.L. James wrote fan fiction about Twilight, then self-published a book called Fifty Shades of Grey. And, and then after it sold 250,000 copies on Amazon as a self-published book, only then Simon and Schuster said, oh, this is good enough for us. And, uh, you know, so now there's a, there's different routes to every goal. And it's not so much about getting the goal, it's about who you become in the process of getting the goal. So like for in, so what I mean is, you know, you could write a book and it's published and that was the goal, you wrote a book. Uh, but to self-publish, you have to become the sort, for, before you have the book, you have to become the sort of person who's willing to say, okay, I'm not gonna put the publishers and editors and agents or whatever on a pedestal. I'm not going to wait for their permission to write a book. And you're able to write a book. And some, by the way, not many people are willing to say that. Like so many people I know who are good writers say, no, I'm, I would never self-publish. They think there's like this stigma to it. But the stigma is only in their minds. It's how they view the world. No one has ever asked me, by the way, James, who's your publisher? Like whether I self-published or not published, no one's ever asked me, is HarperCollins your publisher or did you self-publish? No one's ever asked me that. And so it's the stigma is in their own mind. And maybe there's other things they're afraid of, like they're afraid they'll fail without a, a, a real publisher or whatever. But, you know, ultimately how you market your book and whether the book is good or not are the biggest determinants of how it sells. So, you and know, that's irrelevant of if you have a publisher or you don't, you still have to have the audience and the marketing ability and the story to tell people. Well, the last book I did, Skip the Line, was published traditionally by HarperCollins. And it was the first one I had traditionally published in a few years. I had self-published the last four or five. And 
the first thing everyone asked me when I walked into the room was how big is your platform? How many followers you have across all the platforms? And that's how they make the decision. Not completely. They still want to see a, a good book, but primarily there's a lot of good writers who might be rejected because publishing is a business. And I respect that. And they need to know before they give you an advance that they're going to make money on the book. Um, so in order to write a book now, uh, and in order to do the choose yourself way of writing a book or the skip the line way of writing a book, I can't just tell you, you have to write the book and then publish it on Amazon. Along the way, again, you have to become the sort of person who is good with that and, and independent and is willing to choose themselves and realize that could even be more valuable than the traditional route. Like my best selling book ever was Choose Yourself, which was self-published. And all my traditionally published books just don't seem to do as well. And I, I never quite figure that out. I, I just, whether I get a big advance or a small advance, they just, they just don't do as well as the, my self-published books. So for listeners that have an idea for a book, they have a story and it takes them 18 months to write the book. If they go with a traditional publisher, won't it take another 18 months before it hits the shelf possibly? I mean, they could go and publish it on Amazon tomorrow and then start working on their next book in that 18 months. It depends. Uh, I mean, with nonfiction, you usually write the book after the deal's done. With fiction, write the book first before you get the deal in most cases. So you don't even approach publishers with fiction until you write the book, which is a drag also. You have to write an entire book before you find out if it's good or bad. Much better to just write the book and publish it. Kind of like E.L. James did. True. The yeah. most successful author probably ever, really, in terms of like the speed of which she sold her first 100 million copies. Let me see, how many copies did E.L. James sell? Uh, okay, so 50 Shades of Grey was the best-selling book of the decade from 2010 to 2019. It sold 15.2 million copies. And the series has sold 35 million. And then, of course, she sold you know a bunch of movies. So suffice to say, she made a lot of money. And it's interesting. I'm looking at the list of the top-selling books of all between 2010 and 2019. 50 Shades of Grey, 50 Shades Darker, and 50 Shades Freed are numbers one through three. The Hunger Games is number four. And number five is The Help, which is interesting because The Help was sort of a literary book. And usually literary books aren't up there, but the movie certainly helped it. And then the rest are all genre books. So Gone Girl was like a thriller. The Fault in Our Stars was a children, you know, a young adult book. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was a thriller and Divergence like science fiction. Young adult paranormal is the, or young adult science fiction is, is the genre. Well, I liked the that series, so I guess I'm a young adult. Uh, well, young adult, young adult is pretty sophisticated. Those that genre is there's books about suicide and a lot of food issues and science. I'm going to consider myself a young adult for the, the rest of my life because yeah, once you start it. calling yourself an old adult, then it's all downhill. <laughs> it's true. I think that's true. I think once you think you are old, it's like you become older. That's just my my private theory, but- I was starting to get some self-talk a year ago where I was starting to say that I was old for some reason. And I'm like, and I had to, I, I, I noticed it after a few weeks and said, I cannot say that anymore. And I just started saying instead, like, I'm not old, I'm young. Like, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, like about all this other stuff I'm gonna do. But I think we just, that's, I mean, you, you know, you just start saying that and you don't know why. It's, it's, it's not good. Yeah. No, it becomes an excuse for like, for instance, my memory is worse now than when I was in my twenties or when I was in my teens. And I can attribute that to oldness, or I can try to make my memory better, or I can find a workarounds. And so I, I've been trying all three um, because memory just sort of slides every decade. Not, And it doesn't have to. I think it's just that we're not used to constantly training our memory. And in, when you're a teenager, um, yes, the brain maybe is set up to do memorizing better, but that's unclear because there's new discoveries in neuroplasticity that you could grow more strong memories even as an adult and, and change your habits and so on. But I think with kids, they just memorize for high school for tests. So they just get good at memory all the time. They're, they're memorizing every day. We don't really have to memorize anything because we got Google. Like when's the last time you took a test? I never take a test. So there are certain games that require memory, like Scrabble, you have to memorize words and things like that. But, uh, most of the time, you don't really have to remember anything. Talking about the chess community, that becomes a potentially, it, it could be self-talk, but a lot of the uh, grandmasters start to say, oh, my memory just doesn't work like it used to. And then they start repeating that. 
And then maybe they're not spending as much time on opening theory as they did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So that's the real problem. And then it's interesting you bring up chess because yes, when I was a kid, I would memorize huge numbers of variations on every opening. But now it's really important for me to go around any issues with memory I might have. It's, it's super important for me to find out the ideas behind every opening. So for instance, the King's Indian has a certain type of pawn structure. The French defense is a certain type of pawn structure. So I, instead of trying to memorize all the variations, I try to now learn what, okay, in the French defense, uh, do, do, you, do you break with C5? When do you break with F6? What are white's typical plans? What are black's typical plans? And I've learned so much more about the openings that way in terms of like knowledge about them than I did as a kid. It's just ridiculous. Like mm. I never, in the King's Indian, I never even thought about, hey, maybe black has a queen side attack. But now in the pawn structure where sometimes you do C6 and then take the pawn on D5, then you double up on the C file. And I've watched a bunch of games now with this. Like I'm starting to, without memorizing the exact games or variations, I'm able to say, okay, this is an opportunity now to switch from the king side to the queen side. This is this is the yeah, idea. You've got an open G file. You can put a rook there, and yeah, yeah. So now I'm just I'm more I'm more and memorizing ideas is is easier than memorizing every single move and every single variation. So now I used to be good at the memorizing. Now I'm better at, and I learn more. I think I have a deeper understanding by memorizing the ideas anyway. So I I made it my weakness a new strength for me. But anyway, how was um so. What's gone on since our last meeting? So we're, this today, I wanted to talk about how you could potentially monetize more your skills with being an Amazon ninja. And we'll talk about that in a second. But any progress on the other lane that we're looking at? And, and it's always like you have these wheels and we look at, for, you know, one is like, let's say Christian thought and the other is your Amazon seller experience. And then we yeah. find all the spokes to monetize it. Yeah, and I think it, it made a lot of sense what you said last week about this, the Christian thought spoke, which is the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, the books, that's like a long-term game. It's, it's going to work and it's going to build an audience and we're going to be able to monetize it, but it's going to take a lot longer than potentially some of these Amazon spokes that, it, I mean, it's basically with the Amazon spokes, everything we could do there could help people make more money with their business. So it's easy for a business to say, I'm going to invest $1,000 or $5,000 on a course because I'll immediately go and make 100000 with it. Right, because here's the thing. I, I agree with you. So I think the stuff we spoke about last week and the week before, um, will, you know, that was all about building the skills and the knowledge to make money of ultimately with spiritual thought or Christian thought type products. But that's the sort of thing that, you're right. It's going to take four or five years, one year to sort of break into building a social media following and, and maybe start writing articles somewhere. Um, and then it just takes time to build up a brand and to, to figure out how to say something unique in the space. And, but it'll work. You'll do it. But you need now we need, you know, multiple sources. Like, again, I hate to say the word multiple sources of income. It's like, oh, you need multiple. There's all these like commercials. But the IRS itself says, the average multimillionaire has seven different sources of income. So now you know, okay, you could start incrementally moving forward on one lane. But now I agree. The Amazon seller stuff, you mentioned in the first time that you don't necessarily enjoy as much as the other things. And I get that. But uh, you need multiple lanes though. And you enjoy it enough that you do it for a living. So that, that and you're good at it. People hire you to set up their Amazon seller stores. And now we just need, you can't scale yourself. So we now just need to figure out how to build something scalable, given your knowledge and, uh, and see what works. And I'll give you an example. Jay and I had tried to set up an Amazon seller store of some of my stuff once. And we literally, like we're two smart guys. We literally could not figure it out. This was about two years ago. And it was so frustrating that we just couldn't figure it out. So we would have loved a course or a service agency or just a description even or a podcast, whatever. So, or all of the above. Well, now you guys know me, so. <laughs> exactly. So, so, but let's talk about it. So uh, first off, let me just get an understand. Well, let, let me back up a second. First off, on a daily basis, I have to always ask, 
are you, you know, coming up with that practice, exercising your creativity? Are you writing the 10 ideas a day, stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I am on my blog now, sort of trying to write the, in this sort of spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurs niche. And Monday published an article called the four spiritual disciplines that will help you and your business grow. And, oh, let me see that. Um, and in it, I, I quoted from the transcript from our call um, with, with Dave Kirpin. I put his, uh, his practice, his gratitude practice inside the article. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I just got a, um, um, so Dave Kirpin was one of the people we interviewed live on the podcast. It was a surprise to him and to you and to me that we, that we did that. Um, uh, I'm just trying to find, oh, four spiritual disciplines for your business. Is this you? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and the other thing is I just got another testimonial the other day from, from someone who was using kind of the daily gratitude practice. And he said it changed his life after like just a few weeks or a few months. So, uh, that's, that's something that's very important. And again, everybody, I think we spoke about this. Everyone has like a baseline of happiness and it's hard to move that baseline. So let's say you make a lot of money in the lottery. You'll be happy for a few weeks more, you'd be extra happy for a few weeks, but then it always goes back to the baseline. And one of the only ways that research has shown to improve that baseline is have a gratitude practice every day. And what's great about having a, a gratitude practice, let's say in the morning or at evening or in the evening at the dinner table, you are going to have to say or write down what you're grateful for that day. Well, our brain is lazy. It wants to make things as easy as possible. So guess what it's going to do? All day long, it's going to be looking for things for you to say you're grateful for later or to write down. Yeah, so exactly. All of a it's sudden, a, it's, like, a, it's the, the flowers, Honda effect. Exactly. So the flowers sitting here or you know, the time I got to spend outside in the sunshine, Like now I'm like thinking about these things. And so it's like, I sit down and what am I grateful for? Like, well, which thing do I pick? Because I have 10 things now because I've been thinking about it all day long. So- you it, you take the most basic things in your life, like listening to a good song or just taking a walk outside or having a chance to sit on the couch and drink a cup of coffee without an interruption. And like those become the things you're grateful for. And, but also they just become the things you look forward to in the day and like pause from the rest of the, from, of your life. So yeah, it, it's really helped me a daily practice of gratitude. I would say it's probably the foundational piece of my, spiritual life is just being grateful for all the just the small things in my life. That's really great. Uh, I like this. I didn't see this before. I like this 52 books. You 52 books you must read to lead in business and at home. Uh, and then, and that's how you get people to go onto your email list. That's, that's a good yeah. idea. And skip the lines in there. So, Oh, good. Thank you. And um, okay. So let's talk about how did you get involved in the Amazon seller store? What is what you do related to the Amazon seller store? Basically, Brands generally in the health and wellness space hire me to completely manage their Amazon business. So they don't have to even think about it. I handle everything on Amazon, including creating their listings, launching their new products, managing customer service, making sure they don't run out of stock, doing the advertising, um, setting up the pictures and writing the copy, and um, responding to Amazon health concerns, um, the full gamut. And so that way, these folks, just like you and Jay, like you're busy doing other things. Like you just want to be able to reach the customers that are on Amazon and you don't necessarily want to learn how to do everything. And this is a good point. I want to do nothing, right? So There's I, no reason yeah. that that needs to be... A, so if someone is beautiful at designing t-shirts, for instance, like they, they really know how to design the best t-shirts, why should they learn all the technicalities of setting up an Amazon seller store? Well, it's going to take them away from creating t-shirts. Um, yeah. or at least learning how to do it, which I've spent years doing it. And I've, I've spent a lot of money on advertising, learning what works and what doesn't work. And I've spent a lot of time writing copy and creating images and to find out what works and what doesn't work. But when someone hires me, they just are basically outsourcing that entire account. And so then they can just create their products and focus on their main business. The problem is, is I can only work on so many accounts myself. I just can't physically help everyone that wants my help. I have to pick and choose which people I'm able to help. And it's really important to keep repeating, you can't scale yourself. I cannot. That said, that said, I always tell people a service business is a great way to start before you automate something because then you learn very specifically. If you can do this, if your idea is such that you can do it manually for a while, then you know specifically what the customers want 
you they might surprise you and you learn different nuances of what they want like you may maybe you're setting up the seller store but you didn't realize they all also want email lists and and best practices for how they can keep communicating with their customers so then you have to learn the skill of building an email list if you had automated everything first you wouldn't have had a component for email lists and but you know le learning by doing it manually is is very good but ultimately you have to transition every great business goes from manual to you know, automating as much as possible so they could A, have a higher valuation when they get sold, B, get sold. Because if you have a service business, they say all your assets walk out the door at the end of the day because the people are doing the services. That's your only asset really. And uh, you just you just get a higher valuation if you, if you with software because it's scalable and it, it's every one instance of the software is free. So it's, you get huge gross margins. Well, but, and, 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 and there's potentially a more affordability factor for the businesses because now that you're not, you're not limited by the time, you can create a, a solution that everyone can access and it costs less time for you. Right. Like a great example is making a website. So I used to make websites for a living in the 90s when nobody knew how to make a website. So there was scarcity and I was able to charge a lot. I could charge like $75,000 for a three-page website to a fortune 500 company, they wouldn't think twice about spending it. But then there were things like WordPress. So now basic websites can be made for free. Or if you have something slightly more complicated, there are many sites like freelancer.com, Fiverr, whatever, where I could make a decent website for certainly less than 5,000, maybe less than 10,000. If it's a little more advanced, 20,000, maybe a little bit more. But in general, nobody could charge $75,000 for a three-page website that could be done for free now on WordPress. But okay, so so how did you get into it uh, at all? Like, how did you you realize? And and by the way, what you realize that people need help setting up these stores is particularly important now because everyone got laid off last year. Fifty five million people filed for unemployment, and what are they doing? They're trying to figure out. Oh, I'll make shirts, or I'll make some kind of nutraceuticals, or I'll I'll sell surgical masks, and they're setting it up on Amazon stores, and they're a lot more there's a lot bigger audience now setting these up and being and very confused yeah it's not easy and i run across things even doing this for years now that surprise me when amazon changes something in their infrastructure that i have to go and 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 spend either hours on the phone with them or research how to to get around but for, it started because i helped a friend create a product and we wanted to sell it on amazon and we didn't know how, and we didn't have any products on Amazon. So I was like, well, you know what? I'll just figure it out and do it. And it was a success. They've, they've sold millions now on Amazon, and it's a huge portion of their, um, their, their revenue for the company, the Amazon business. And so then they just started referring their friends to me in the business, and I started helping them do the same exact thing. So what's a, what's a store? Can you tell us a store that you set up? Yeah, the, the first store that I set up was uh, for Ben Greenfield. And the store is Keon, K-I-O-N. Um, yeah, wow. I didn't even know he had a store. Here's Keon products. These look nice, actually. And he, that he, Ben Greenfield is super smart about everything health-related. That guy, first off, he's incredibly healthy. Second off, I mean, when I when he, he came on the podcast, I would encourage people to listen to what he... I have the book Boundless, actually. I'm looking at it right now. It's right in front of me just by coincidence. Uh, upgrade your brain, optimize your body, and defy aging. I would encourage people to re-listen to my podcast with him because I was asking so many questions and he knows every detail of the body. But let's see. Um, so, yeah. so actually, the, the first product I launched was on Kickstarter and it was Ben's Christian Gratitude Journal. And right. that's what got me into the gratitude practice that I do now every day. And then I was the project manager for his Boundless book and helped launch that book. So through those relationships, it was a natural fit to go and sell these dietary supplements on Amazon. And the products are really great. So, And this, this looks good. And he's, he's doing well. The, the business is doing well. Like the, um, I see he sponsors some products too. So that's, that probably helps. Yeah, they're doing well on Amazon. And um, the reviews are great. And the... Yeah, I mean everything's great there. So, so okay. So, all together now, how many stores have you helped set up? Dozens. Um, and and what what's uh, so so 
like you started doing this more and more has it increased like every month you have more customers or what's what's the status of your uh and is it just you or do you have other people that help you i it's me and one assistant and we um i mean some folks have come and gone um because one thing with with us talking about the course i was thinking about who would even be eligible to sell on amazon in the first place because I, I think some people discover that maybe their products aren't a great fit for Amazon after they're on there for a while um, because it's, it's, it, it, it's expensive to reach the customers on Amazon. There's, a, there's so many products. It can, be, it can be cost prohibitive to stand out unless your product is extremely unique and, and new. Um, so, so, so what are best practices for standing out? Well, have a unique and new product would be one thing, um, because if you're if you're if you're going on Amazon and you want to sell salt, you're going to have a really hard time standing out because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are doing it, and they've been doing it for a decade, and so to to create noise in that space is going to be extremely difficult. You're going to have to have a strong brand presence somewhere else and have your story being told somewhere else because the numbers don't lie. People don't go on Amazon to shop. People go on Amazon to buy. So they're not going on there to look for maybe finding a new company to try. They're going on to Amazon to buy the company that they already know and that they want. So to stand out in that, it, it, can, be, it can be expensive and difficult. Yeah, so how, like, let's say you, you could use um, ads to stand out. Uh, uh, so you just, you sponsor yourself and you're everywhere. People go, people will see you. How, how much an ad, does Amazon ads work for Amazon sellers? 100%. It's an, it's really a necessity to sell on Amazon for you to be running Amazon ads. And, and how much do you need say to sell a new brand of salt? Depends on how much salt you want to sell. Um, it, it, you're going to be looking potentially for a very competitive space like that. You're going to need to, for every dollar you want to make, you're going to have to spend at least a dollar on advertising. And so um, if I stand out as a brand, like let's say I'm going to sell, and this goes to your Christian thought thing. Um, let's say I'm going to sell biblical salt. So all the salt we've, we've carefully processed from the Dead Sea. Yeah, that sounds really great. It'd be hard to tell that story on Amazon you would have to go tell that story on podcasts and go tell that story on ads on other platforms where people are more scrolling and they're looking for engaging content. And you would say, oh, this salt, we discovered it in the um, bottom of the Dead Sea. And it has these curative powers. And um, it's possible that um, the disciples um, actually used this salt uh, you know, in the Last Supper. And I mean, all this would have to be true, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and then you could tell that story other places and then they're going to come on Amazon and search for, your, for James Altucher's Dead Sea Salt. And then that is inexpensive advertising on Amazon. That you can buy very, very cheap because when people search for it, they're looking for you, they're going to buy you and Amazon starts to reward that with better organic rankings and everything else that you're doing because- they love when people are coming onto Amazon and searching for a product. They reward that because they you're sending them customers. Yeah. So it's 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 so interesting. So um, okay. So like if you were, let's just think about this now. What are, what are the difference? So so Amazon sellers is a, setting up Amazon sellers is a skill you have, and it's not just the technical skills. It's also best practices for running the store, whether it's marketing or using how to use other platforms or customer service. There's all sorts of stuff that goes into it, how to make the products. I assume drop shipping must be a little part of this. Um, yeah. And, are, I, and I spend a lot of my time actually educating on the holistic marketing strategy for the brand altogether, because like I said, it's very competitive on Amazon. So how do you stand out? Well, I can share what I've seen work on email marketing or what I've seen work on Facebook ads and yeah, how well, it what are, what are some best practices? Like, what are some things you know that that I might not know, a listener might not know? Well, for email marketing, for example, so let's say you have a Shopify store and you're selling salt. Let's just stick with salt, and you're getting people on your email list. They're 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 considering buying, and for some reason, they just never bought from your site. They just for whatever reason, anyone who has an e-com store knows that there's a very high percentage of people that are are just. They, they, they never purchased, they're on your email list. 
So what I would do in that scenario is I would advise, well, okay, you've got 4,000 people that are on your list that have never bought. You've sent them coupons. You've sent them videos. You've taken them through your entire flow and they never purchased. Well, let's give them one more chance before you remove them from the mailing list. And let's give them a special coupon that works only on Amazon. And they click this link. It takes them to Amazon and they buy. And it works. It, it, It really works because sometimes people aren't buying from your store, not because they don't like your salt, but because they don't want to register on a, the thousandth e-com store. Like they already are Amazon Prime members. So they just buy on Amazon now that you gave them a coupon. So it's really easy copy. You just say, hey, did you know that we're on Amazon now? And with Amazon Prime, you can get our products in two days anywhere in the United States. Click this link and we're going to hook you up with 25% off. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, but if you set up a, a store on your own website and you also set up the same store on Amazon, people are 70% more likely to buy from your store on Amazon than the store on your site because people just love shopping on Amazon. And they feel safe with that. I have to say Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, Good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, If you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. So forget about the outside stuff like marketing for a second. 
what would you say are the micro skills for actually setting up a seller store if I wanted to do it myself? Copywriting, mm -hmm. uh, managing the ad platform. Because you have to advertise. You have to advertise. Mm -hmm. um, they actually like the creative elements, the creating um, the, the images that are in the carousel, that, the, the main product image and then different lifestyle images and then infographics to explain what your product does. Yeah, and by the way, these images for Kian are like great. It looks beautiful. Yeah, they did. A, they did a really, really great job. They just went through um, a, a new branding, and it's it's beautiful. You can see in there the old packaging versus the new packaging. They basically now, if you look in your supplement cabinet, and there's 50 supplements in there, like a lot of people, these will stick have, out. They're going to stand out. Yeah. So, so okay. What are some other micro skills? So you've got to know the customer service element. Um, Amazon is extremely demanding with customer response time. If you don't respond to a customer that contacts you within 24 hours, you're going to get red flagged for that. So you've got to oh, really? not only stay on top of it, but you also have to have great customer service because uh, Amazon, it, it puts customer service above everything else, over anything that they do. So um, that's extremely important micro skill, uh, having good customer service. And then... Um, <laughs> this is a this is a silly uh, micro skill potentially, but patience is extremely important because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces with Amazon, and sometimes it can be complicated to actually get what you want done on the platform completed. So you'll have to maybe contact Amazon seller support ten times sometimes to get to the right person that can solve your problem. And so that just requires persistence and, and patience. Um, and, you know, another thing is just uh, the awareness of knowing what products are a good match and not a good match. And I think for that, it's knowing your numbers and the, the accounting side of your business to know what your cost of goods sold are and, and what, uh, how much potentially um, you can afford to sell on Amazon because some of the brands that I've worked with over the last couple of years, when we started, they were, they weren't doing very much on Amazon, maybe 15 or $20,000 a month in sales. And then after a year of working with me, they're doing, you know, one and a quarter now a month and you start to realize, okay, wow, this is more, you know, where's all the cash. There should be a lot of cash here. And there's not as much as they would maybe expect, even though they six X their sales. So knowing before you get on there, knowing your numbers and knowing exactly what it's going to cost you to sell on Amazon is extremely important. Yeah, it's interesting. And then, um, so, okay, so there's various micro skills. And by the way, each one of those could be a course, but let's say you're, let's say you're making a course about just the technical setup of how do you set up an Amazon seller store? Because then there's other courses. How do you do marketing for an Amazon seller store? I think that should be like a separate course. And in general, each micro scale is like another chapter. So like, how do you write cop? How, how do you technically actually sign up and, and load up products and set up an Amazon seller store? How do you then write the copy? How do you make the photos? Uh, how do you get noticed? And that could lead into another course, which is the Amazon seller marketing course. Like, you know, I was talking, I think a few weeks ago about one of the podcasts I did was with, with this guy, Brandon Lemon, who made a couple of courses on sales. He could have made one big course on sales. Like that's the way I think I'll, I'll make the master course on sales, but he really divided up niche by niche. He's like, he made one course on how to do cold calling in sales, how to, um, you know, I, for, I forget some of the other ones. We made like three or four courses all about each one was like kind of a micro scale of sales as opposed to doing one master course on sales. And he made a good amount of income from them. Uh, but I would start thinking a, what are at least two courses you can make? Uh, uh, you want to make two courses. And B, what are 10 or 20 sections of each course? Like try to make 20 sections for each course. I went in on our, um, our Google Doc and I outlined a, a course on there. Okay, let me um, see. Hold on. I'm going to go to it right now. And partially, this could be the secret sauce, but I'm going to share it with anyone that might be listening. Oh yeah, by the way, which is important to do. We always want to share everything because 
you're the Amazon ninja. Like yeah. you could do it and you'll do it fast. Yeah. Imagine what the course will have if I'm sharing all this for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, I really think it's important to, to go back to what I was saying earlier about knowing your numbers is that there's an intake quiz. Is your brand ready to sell on Amazon? Because maybe it's not. By the way, this could be this intake quiz. This could be a marketing effort. Like 100% this quiz before they buy the course, because you want to know they're ready. And I don't want them to buy the course unless they took this quiz because I don't want them to be the wrong person and then be disappointed. I want to yeah. take a brand who's going to be extremely successful on Amazon and then help them make that happen. And since I'm, I can't help very many more brands myself, like this is my way to go and actually help thousands of brands out there achieve the success that the people that work with me have. And um, I, like I, these are the kind of the, the questions here on the intake quiz would tell you if you're ready or not. And then my thought was, okay, so that quiz determines you're not ready. Well, why not? And then what can you do to get ready? And then that would be where I just give them a, a, a free ebook on like how they could maybe restructure their business or maybe why it's not oh, the yeah. best That's fit a- right now and then what, they, what steps they could take. And then if they are eligible, then great, buy the course and, and, and you know, grow your business. And um, for launch your products, so this is this is basically uh, a course right now for people who have products. Maybe they have an offline store. Maybe they have a, a, an e-commerce store on their website or on Etsy or someplace else. And 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 then you're going to help them put this additional spoke in, into their wheel, which is set up a, a store on Amazon. What about uh, if they if they want to learn drop shipping? Could that be another course, or is that something that you would help people with? Yeah. I- that's not really my specialty. I think there's lots of other courses. That's how I learned actually was through a course that was primarily um, drop shipping based. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of niched down as supporting brands. So, so basically because then oftentimes they have a unique story, they have selling, uh, uh, unique selling propositions, they've got a unique product that's different. Um, I've found that working with companies that are unique and have a brand, they, they have a lot more um, success on Amazon than a brand that is just like another water bottle company that you just, you know, you, you make it in Alibaba, ship it in the U S and put it on Amazon. Like, yes, yeah, so there's a lot of people making millions of dollars like that. And there's nothing wrong with that business, but to stand out as a brand that's not already on Amazon, like branding is going to help you a lot more. I see this outline looks great. Let me ask the question, which is a chapter in the book. Who are you? Why are you? Why now? Now, who are you? We know you've done dozens of stores, so that's fine. Um, and you've kind of mentioned this already, but why are you passionate that people should have stores on Amazon? Well, I think that you have to be on Amazon if you want to compete and get your product into the hands of all the buyers. Like that's where people are shopping now. They're not shopping at uh, the brick and mortar store. And I came from retail. I love brick and mortar stores. It, I love that one-on-one interaction that you can only get in a store. But the, it's been shown, and we keep seeing this every quarter at Amazon, that more and more and more people are joining Prime and more and more people are buying on Amazon. So if you want your products to be bought, you have to be on Amazon. If you aren't, you're missing out on hundreds of millions of customers. You're basically saying to those customers, like, oh, um, we don't want to sell to you where you like to buy. I mean, that's a huge mistake. It's a gigantic mistake. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. And, and I think the data agrees with that. Like there's, there's I, think, I think also quoting from research on that would, would be helpful. And then the other thing is, why now? Well, look at the environment that we're in in this last year, for example. People are going into stores even less than ever before and they want to buy on Amazon where it can just be delivered to their door. So if you've got a product that's unique and special and you believe in it, then your customers are probably already searching for it on Amazon. And a lot of times um, when, a, when a brand is considering going on Amazon and they contact me and they say, hey, could you help us? I look on Amazon and I can look at some of the, the, the search numbers. People are already looking for their brand on Amazon. And I just take a screenshot and say, guys, they're looking for you and you're not there. But guess who is there? Your competitor. And so they're buying from your competitor instead of you. So you, it's, uh, it's it, I mean, that, they're going to buy from someone. They're going on there to buy. And if they're looking on Amazon, they're probably not coming back to your, your store to buy. Even if it's 
And I've even done tests. I've raised the price of some of the products $5 above what the brand's primary store is at. And people still want to buy it on Amazon. They prefer to buy it on Amazon in, in a lot of cases. It's not, it's not going to dissuade them. What, uh, what platforms are you thinking of building an online course on? I don't know. My wife is doing a graphic design course on Udemy. And it's... Udemy is good. It's been really easy for her to use and, and she really likes it. Is she making money with it? Well, she's doing, gra- she's doing all the graphics for me now. So you, that, that really great image from Dave Kirpin on my blog you saw, she, she designed that. <laughs> oh, it's great. And uh, yeah, there's Udemy, there's Skillshare, there's Teachable. There's all these places that are, that are good. And uh, how would you market the course? Well, one th- the first thing that came to mind is uh, I like to look on Upwork to see what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And people are always looking for help on Amazon, on Upwork. Um, hundreds and hundreds of people are posting on there looking for help with their pay-per-click campaigns or designing their brand stores or launching or helping them to get uh, unsuspended or whatever. All those people probably have employees in-house that could take a course and then not need anyone else's help again. They could handle everything in-house. That's a great point. And so, so let me ask you this. How often is there new information? So every week, is there a new information? Like, first off, do the rules change? Does the technology change? Are there, do the best practices change? Do you find often that, oh, here's another way to do an Amazon ad that I didn't think of before. Or here's another way to advertise that I didn't think of before. Um, you know, w- w- how often do things change? Things change, but I think like the principles of the store don't really change very much. Um, Some of the like really um, guru-esque tactics change, um, but a lot of times brands that are on Amazon aren't doing some of the more, um, some of those tactics anyway. They don't need to a lot of times. So sometimes the rules and regulations change. Like right now, the dietary supplement space, this, is, this has been making news on um, all the natural industry um, websites. But Amazon is changing um, their regulation policy for dietary supplements and requiring new documents. And um, at one point, they were requiring letter of guarantees and images of the product. And basically, if you're selling dietary supplements on Amazon, it is going to be much more regulated and you're going to be able to have to provide a lot more information to Amazon to show that you're copacetic, that what you're selling is what you're selling. And it all kind of started because of a brand um, that bought a bunch of their competitors' CoQ10 supplement on Amazon. And this is a big, big brand. So they did lab analysis on these competitors that are big-time sellers and some of them didn't even have any CoQ10 in their CoQ10 supplement. What? Is that illegal? I don't know. Uh, it probably is because you're making claims that it has it and it doesn't have it. So basically now you're going to have to actually give a COA, which is it's an analysis of your product that you're selling on Amazon. And some of these guidelines, um, the concern is that Amazon reacted to this and it went very, very strong on what they were going to do. Um, and at the time, didn't necessarily talk to a lot of the, um, the Council for Good Nutrition and some of the other uh, natural industry folks on how to actually go about making sure that what people say they have is actually what they say they have. So some of these guidelines are actually more strict than like the FDA is requiring for companies right now. So, so the reason I asked, um, is there ongoing things and it sounds like there are, and then there's also things you could research and, and, and have ongoing is that if you sell this course, once people enter the course there, you know, several things they're interested in you teaching them how to do an Amazon seller store. They are probably interested in making a lot of money with an Amazon seller store and they paid money to learn about it. So I would start on the course itself. I would say, hey, if you every single module of the course, I would say at the end, hey, if you want to also see my ongoing weekly newsletter about all the new things happening on the Amazon seller store, and you need to because you need to keep up with this stuff so your products sell the best, I would upsell uh, a newsletter from this. You know, maybe it's ten dollars a month or something, and yeah. and and then they get a, a weekly newsletter, or you can make it free. But I w- I would um, 
I would downsell to the people who don't buy the course. I would downsell a free newsletter. That's just about in general, the basics, like, like, you know, to make them more qualified to be an Amazon seller. Like you said, you know, you're going to put together a free book, but I would have a free newsletter and then a four pay newsletter that people who sign up for the course are also sold the, the four pay newsletter. And then later on, you'll make maybe a higher end course uh, about, you know, how to maximize your store on 20 different platforms and, and so on. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought of another idea for the course would be offer to the folks that are part of it office hours where weekly I would have a time set aside. They can come in and ask a question and then record those questions and just put, I mean, that could be the newsletter. It's just the, the newsletter. questions Absolutely. that people yeah. are asking. I love that. So, so I think now the next step is, um, let's say in, in two weeks, I think you should, um, write out your story. Now, I mean, you may want to videotape every module as well. I, I think there should be text. I think there should be videos. I think there should be quizzes, um, you know, make it really comprehensive. There should be links to resources. And I think you should have the course first draft of the course done in like the next two weeks and, and start thinking about the newsletter. You can set up the newsletter on something like Substack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, when I was making that list of the, the modules of the course, I've been procrastinating on putting that together and it, it didn't really take that long because this is, I thought it would take longer than it did, but this is what I do. This is what I do every day. Like, yeah. You yeah. Know. Don't forget to include. So, so writing is writing, like whether it's a course or a novel or a, a Malcolm Gladwell book or whatever. And writing involves a story, involves a problem. And in this case, the buyer of the course is the hero and he has the hero has to go on the hero's journey. There's a problem. It's, you know, so the, the, the way you create a reluctant hero is, uh, unfortunately, it's not easy to get set up in the Amazon with an Amazon seller store. So that's the problem. And they're going to go on a journey where they have more and more problems. You know, uh, you know, once you're set up, how do you market? How do you do customer service? How do you ship them everything? What are best practices from Amazon side? What are best practices in terms of validating your products and using your analytics and, and on and on. And so in each section, there's problems and the kind of the arc of the hero in each section. So I would just go forward now and make all the modules. And then you don't have to video them yet because you want to do that in a production studio, high quality or, or not. It doesn't matter. But uh, I would start actually doing the course because while you're doing the course, you might think of more ideas for sections and more ideas for other courses you'll be able to teach. Yeah. And then, um, and then there's, there's different ways, like, you know, I, I, it's really important to think of additional courses to teach. So for instance, there's, you know, my section in skip the line called idea exponentials, which is, can you take this course and scale it? So the way you would scale this course, um, vertically is to make a course on how to make a course. <laughs> so, cause once you go through the process of making a course, you're going to be, and if it, and if it sells well, you want it to make sure it sells well, then you're qualified to make a course on courses. Or another thing is, are there specific brands that do better? Like, you know, special add-on course, uh, how to make an Amazon seller course if you're in the, uh, found the fashion industry, or if you're in the electronics industry. So there might be separate upsell courses for that. That might even be a little bit more expensive. And yeah. Cause there's a lot Amazon of like my specialty is, is nutritional supplements and, and healthy foods. And so there is a lot of particularities of that area because of all the uh, federal regulations that just aren't on there if you just want to sell coffee mugs. So yeah. like the coffee mug guy doesn't need to know about all these FDA regulations and analysis forms that you have to submit. Um, but someone in nutritional supplements 100% needs to know all this or um, they, they might be in bigger trouble than not even selling at all if they're not careful. Okay. So um, make the course or at least the rough draft, like, you know, text, you know, write all the text out. And you know what? I'll bring on someone who's an expert in creating online courses. I'll bring on one of the, the founders of, of one of these companies or someone else who's, who's an expert. And then start thinking of what ancillary products go along with this. Like is, you know, the newsletter, what would be in that? Or uh, well, what if we, you know, if we're going to do the video or if mm -hmm. I, sh I keep saying we, but I, maybe I should say, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but we, so 
if I, you really would want to be launching a product on Amazon in the video along, like, what if we make a product that we go and sell now? Like, and the course is showing us launching that product. I mean, I just read yesterday that dietary deficiencies in teenage women is becoming an epidemic for future generations' health. Mm-hmm. And my immediate thought was, wow, are there any brands that are creating nutritional supplements targeting towards these girls who are in need of, 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 of vitamin B12 and vitamin D and these other supplements? Right. So all of, all of that's interesting. Like all that, these topics could be on the podcast, could be in a newsletter. I think sometimes you could have like Zoom conferences or, or like special webinars on how to make an Amazon store. And that could be kind of a... a, a a kind of a sales funnel for the newsletter, even outside the online course. And also potentially, you know, as you're doing this, you're going to learn more about the nuances of setting up Amazon stores. Maybe you'll have an idea for products that you could sell in your own store. So uh, I think let's, let's start with that and, uh, you know, make your online course on, on being an Amazon ninja. You too could be an Amazon ninja. Uh, and, and let's see the first draft in the next two weeks. Okay. I personally will take the course because I want to set up an Amazon seller store. Well, maybe I can help you with, with your store. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I want to learn. I want to learn. I like to learn. So, all right, let's, um, let's be in two weeks and uh, see what we've got then. But if you want to email me stuff along the way, or you know what? I would also try, do a Q&A on Twitter or on your Facebook page or on, in a Facebook group. Do a Q&A right now even on what do people want to know about setting up an Amazon seller store or about Amazon seller stores in general? And you'll answer every question. This way you could know the type of questions people will want to see in an online course. Um, I don't really have a lot of people on Twitter. I'd love to answer the questions, but I did, if I was to post something, you know, only a few people would see it. That's okay. Let's see. Let's see something. If we can, if we can do this a different way on Quora, I searched Amazon seller. So mm-hmm. Quora is this great Q and a website and there's all these questions. Um, uh, how can I improve my Amazon seller feedback? What are the Amazon seller analytics tools? How can Amazon sellers win a buy box? I don't know what that means. Uh, what are the difficulties faced by sellers on Amazon? What kind of challenges do sellers face at Amazon? How can a new Amazon seller get some quick reviews to start? <laughs> how can I buy a pre-made Amazon seller account? I would go on Quora and start answering these questions and start building a following on Quora about the Amazon seller stuff. And plus, okay. by seeing what questions people have, again, it's almost like all you're writing out is, is going to end up in the online course. I would answer like, you know, 10 of these questions to start off with and see, you know, it gives you an idea of what people are curious about. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I, I know the answer to all those questions. So. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, and it goes on and on. There's hundreds of questions here. Can I have more than one Amazon seller account? Are people answering them? Yeah. Some answers might be good. Some answers might be bad. And you can even maybe even quote some answers in the course. Like if someone's from Amazon answering these things, which is very possible, you could quote them. How can I, how do I use Amazon Seller Central? So I did have a question and this was just a, a crazy thought. Isn't it possible that maybe Amazon would want to have someone help them with the onboarding process for their sellers because they benefit from people coming on there? I have the expertise and the passion, I could- Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. But the answer is you can't even think about that right now because you can't go to them. Then you're, at, you're waiting for them to choose you to do this. Good so point, for, exactly. First, make money doing this and then you have power. So money and information are power. So you'll get more information as you do this because if you have high demand, it shows you that Amazon has a problem. People need an entire course to figure out how to do this part of Amazon. Then you can go to Amazon because you have data. Information's power and, you know, not money is power, but making money is power. And, and then also you become, in the process of doing this, you will become the sort of person who makes an online course and teaches and helps people in that way. And it'll change your mindset about doing this. Even though you already do this as a service, as a service business, this will go one step further. Yeah, I love that. I do have a random, a random thought too. One of the listeners of the podcast episodes that we did, Michael, 
he asked a question of how could we make the shopping experience at a brick and mortar store so much better that they'd forgo the convenience of buying on Amazon. Yeah, that's interesting. I would include that as maybe a separate course. Because that's, I mean, that's, that, you know, when you, when you said maybe Amazon, you've, Michael and I were talking about why I'm hesitant or why I say sometimes that Amazon uh, isn't my long-term thing. And it's, I identified it's because of that. It's that, that person-to-person interaction that you, you don't get. And so we were, we, we, we were just thinking, why? Like, what could Walmart or Target or Best Buy or these stores do? Well, thank you very much. This is great. And I really appreciate these, this time with you. This, is, this has been fantastic. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I have to stream chess at some point. You're, 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 it was always fun uh, seeing you on the chess stream. Yeah, I beat you one out of eight games, that one lucky game, you know? You're, you're my, according to, according to Leeches, you're my worst rated defeat. <laughs> so, I'm proud of that. I'm so yeah, proud. Hopefully that record continues forever. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, all right, I will talk to you in, in two weeks, James, but, but get in touch if there's any questions or anything. All right, thank you, James. Okay, thanks, you guys. Thanks, Jay. Bye. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.